0: You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Ready to talk to you at 1-800-919-3776. Gorgeous Saturday. Thank you, Anita Marks. Great talk as always leading in to the show. And for me, this is a battle of baseball teams. This Major League Baseball trade deadline was probably as exciting as any deadline I can think of over the past couple of years. As you know, as a Mets fan, I am well invested. Was writing to see what my team would do. Was very curious to see what the Yankees were going to come back and pull off. And I got to tell you something. For those of you who have crucified, for those of you who have lambasted, for those of you who have ridiculed Brian Cashman over the years, and in some cases justifiably so, you have to take your cap off to what he was able to do over the past couple of days on the trade deadline to improve this Yankee ball club. I mean, it's no question. And we'll talk about that in a second. As far as the Mets are concerned, listen, I'm, I'm kind of torn. I don't want to hear from you. 1-800-919-3776. Also a Twitter, at Hardest to ESPN, at ESPNNY, 98 underscore 7FM. Brian Brain is with me as well this afternoon. I'm torn. I love Javi Baez being on this team. He's going to improve the team defensively at shortstop until Lindor comes back. If he's hot, he's going to inject some fire into a roller coaster type offense, right, that the Mets have, where against really bad teams, they pile up the runs, they pile up the runs, and against good teams, they struggle a little bit to get key hits in key situations. So I love the fact that he's here. He is a guy who is a guy that when he's hot can carry a ball club. He is also a guy that strikes out a lot. When Lindor comes back and Baez moves to second, and you hear me talk about this a lot, when you talk about defensive prowess on the baseball field, you have to be strong up the middle. I know the game has changed. We got... Exit velo, we got, (laughs) uh, you know, launch angle, we got no running. If you strike out, it's okay. We got shifts, we got all this stuff. But some basic things do not change in the game of baseball. You give me a team that's strong up the middle, I'll give you a team that's going to win a pretty good amount of their games defensively. They're not going to give the offense extra opportunities to beat you when you're strong up the middle. And with Nimmo at sac- in center field, okay, solid center fielder, the addition of Baez makes this team very strong up the middle. McCann is a solid defensive catcher. Lindor is a world-class shortstop. Baez is an outstanding second baseman. And Nimmo's in center field. So you are stronger up the middle. That's important. So I'm I'm okay with that. I am. The concern is... As a Mets fan, and I know they tried. They did their best. Acting GM, Zach Scott, did his best. He just couldn't come up with another arm. The Mets needed another arm. You know it, and I know it. And then if you weren't quite sure, we find out yesterday that Jacob DeGrom has a setback with right arm inflammation, shut down throwing for two weeks, and the acting GM, Scott, says probably won't see him again until September. That's a major concern, ladies and gentlemen. That is a major concern. On the heels of Tyron Walker not pitching the way he did as well as he did in the first half of the season. You got to be concerned. Now, Carlos Carrasco last night, first pitch home run, not the best way you want to make your debut, but settled down. So you like what you saw from him and you're, incur- you're encouraged to see as he gets stretched out what he will be able to do. So he is <laughs> more important, okay, than he was a couple of days ago before he came back. He was important to come back because you needed, some solid- you needed to solidify your starting rotation. But now with DeGrom out, you really need him to come back and solidify your starting rotation. Marcus Stroman has been fantabulous. Past couple of starts, not not as much, but still solid. I think he'll be okay, so I'm 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 okay with him. I think he'll get back on the track and he'll play and he'll perform well. Got to be concerned about Walker, who pits better early but lost it. Got to be concerned about Carrasco only because I don't know what I'm getting from him. And the rest of the rotation, I don't know. It's up in the air. Peterson's done. You know McGill has been fabulous. He's been really good. But I don't know when that's going to end. <laughs> okay, I, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't. All right. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe he continues. He's been great. He's pitched shut-up baseball for most of his outings. Rich Hill is, is, is a veteran guy who at the back end of the rotation is going to be okay. I expect him, you know, the soft tossing lefty mixes and matches and he relies on location. And so do I understand that he's got a, margin, a small margin for error because if his location's off, he might get hit hard? Yeah, but he's better than what I've got in my rotation. But without the Gram at the head of that rotation, I'm a little nervous in addition to the fact that it adds some pressure now on my bullpen, which has been, despite my angst, has been better than what I expected. So I'm a little concerned. I wanted another arm at the trade deadline. I got another bat. Okay, I'll deal with it. It's okay. The team is better than it was. That's the bottom line. But very quietly, because the Mets are five and five in their last ten, they're moving back to the division. Okay, this is a division that you look at Philadelphia; they're a game under five hundred. You look at Atlanta; they're two games under five hundred. You look at the Nationals; they're seven games under five hundred, and they're selling. So I, I, you would have to say Washington's done. You got rid of Scherzer. You got, you know, you got rid of Scherzer. Turn, you're done. You're done. You're done. You're saying, you know what? Here's the white flag for this year. We're out of it. Miami, nice story last year. I'm not done this year. But Philly and Atlanta are still hanging around. Now, Philly, for me, you know, the bullpen is always going to be an issue for them. So I feel confident about that. Atlanta still bothers me. They just do. They still bother me. And for them, understanding how important that series was to come in the city field and take three out of five and almost took four out of five. But the Mets were able to get to beat them in the second of a doubleheader, one, nothing. And, And really should have lost that game because the run was thrown out at the plate. The tying run was thrown out at the plate in one of the games in that series. That says a lot about that team. The Mets could have put them away. If the Mets win four out of five, I'm not thinking about Atlanta. But Atlanta came back, and they won three out of five in that series. So they are four games out, five in the loss. Philadelphia, three and a half out, four in the loss. I'm concerned. Happy with the deadline trade. Once again, we're biased. Happy we're biased. Would I have preferred Bryant? Yeah, probably because I I feel Bryant can play more positions and do more things for me. Baez is great in the infield, no question about it. Second, short, third, we're good. But Bryant gives me what Baez gives me with a little more pop. And he gives me depth in my outfield positions where I might have to be concerned because I don't know what's, what's, you know, Conforto's up and down. But now maybe, and J.D. Davis, I love his bat in the lineup. He's struggling right now. Love his bat in the lineup. Where am I going to put him? So we'll see what the Mets do. 1-800-919-3776. We'll get your thoughts on the Mets. Plus, I have a couple of things to share with you about the Yankees. Because once again, I'll just say this. Cashman brings you not one, but two very talented left-handed bats in your lineup. One of them in Rizzo pays dividends to help you win the game already. Answers the call with power, and he is a contact guy who may not be hitting for average in what we call in, in, the, in the old days of baseball, but is a contact guy who who can give you a hit without it necessarily leaving the ballpark. That guy who, when you got a runner on third, he will bring them in because he makes contact. You've added you're a better team than you were. Gallo, listen, strikeout. He he's kind of what you already have, but defensively, he makes you better. And he didn't. And no salary, no extra salary. As a matter of fact, in a couple of these deals, he got money back. Gotta give Cashman some credit. Yankee fans, we'll hear from you as well. Off to the phones we go. Joe is in West Babylon. Hey, Joe, you're batting first on the Gordon-Damer show. All right. We lost him. Hey, Richard, what's up? Hi, Larry. How are you? I'm doing great, my friend. What's going on? Good, good. Larry, you know who the
2: uh, best starting pitcher right now in baseball is, the hottest?
1: It's probably Zach Wheeler, huh? No, well, he's second. Matt, Matt Harvey, 18 in the third innings. <laughs> oh,
2: scoreless. spoil. six six, and six in the third innings, and thre- oh. three consecutive starts, no runs. And Zach Wheeler leads the National League in strikeouts. Two former Met pitches. I bet yeah, I they know. wish they had both of those guys. At least one of them. <laughs> oh, come on, really. And, uh, look, you know, one thing I'll give Cashman. He realized he made a mistake. And, you know, he's m- admitting to all the fans that we were so bad – I had to get two new guys and immediately, immediately put them in the number two and the number four hole. Mm-hmm. In other words, he overestimated his team up until like let's say three, four weeks ago. He figured that team was good enough to just win the, uh, get into the playoffs. He realized that with this trade, and immediately these guys had to be put in. That, that's how bad the team was. So I do give him credit for that. I do give him credit. Now tonight, as far as Herman goes. Yes. If Herman doesn't get ninety-five pitches, okay. If he doesn't get ninety-five pitches, I'm boycotting the Yankees for the rest of the year. I mean, if he's stealing, if he's stealing, okay. if he's stealing like he was last Sunday, Larry.
1: Okay. Yeah. I he let what you're kid pitch. Yeah. But you know how it is, Richard. Thanks for the phone call, my friend. You know how it is in the in the age of analytics. It's all about numbers. And even though to you, you want to see ninety pitches. When they analyze it, it's well, was he under duress? How tough were these pitches of the ninety? How tough were they with runners on base? Did he go? Did they foul off a bunch of pitches? Could he not finish them off? There's 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 variables. So I agree with you. If he's dealing the way he was last week, where he had a, he allowed one hit, and that was to his last batter, he went no hit baseball for seven, for six innings, and in his first batter in the seventh, you pull him out, and we know what happened after that. Your bullpen is still not where it needs to be. Britain is still struggling. Chapman working his way back. You could see that there's signs that he's getting back on track. But that's you, – you need to let him pitch. If, if he's still dealing, especially against a Marlins team that is not the caliber offensively what Boston is, let him pitch. Joseph West Babylon. Hey, Joe, you're next on
3: 98.7. Hey, how's it going? Good, Joe. What's up? Yeah, I just wanted to make two points today, one about the Mets, one about the Yankees. Uh, my point about the Mets is, after the last two days, you know, with today's news about the Grom and yesterday yesterday's trade deadline, how can you not be distraught? I mean, you lost your ace for the next month. Walkers come back down to earth. We didn't acquire an arm. And your rivals in the Phillies acquired a starter and the other competition in the NL the Dodgers and the Padres acquired key pieces that will come in handy in the playoff time. Uh, My second point about the Yankees is I've seen a lot of people on social media kind of praising everything that's been done during the trade deadline, and I think Cashman did a really good job with the the maneuvering of the money and getting Anthony Rizzo. I think he will come in handy during the playoff run, Mm -hmm. but I don't think Joey Gallo is that big of a... You know, a trade for them. And I still think they're the fifth, if not the sixth, best team in the AL. I mean, everyone's thinking about the Red Sox and the Rays and the Yankees, but the White Sox are sneakily the best team in the AL. That that bullpen is going to be crazy, and that rotation is probably the deepest in the AL. Joe, you
1: make some good points. Thanks for the phone call. And, And obviously there's some East Coast bias here because we see this division all the time, and we're partial to it. And the Red Sox have played very well, and they were a surprise. Nobody expected them. And remember, they're getting Chris Sale back. So that's going to elevate them even more and make them very tough. You're right about the White Sox with, with, uh, you know, adding a reliever. You're right about them. That makes them a little better. I will say this about the Yankee deal. When you look at what your outfield looked like for most of this season because of the injuries – Joey Gallo's an upgrade. He is. He's an upgrade defensively. Now, I understand that you're frustrated with him because he seems like what you already have. Long ball or nothing, bunch of strikeouts. But nevertheless, I think he makes you better defensively. And he is more of a threat right now than Brett Gardner. You had Brett Gardner playing in the outfield every day because of injury. He was out there. Look at, who, look at what your outfield was. And Ryan Lamar. Nothing against Ryan Lamar. He got a big hit against Tampa to give you a, help you get a win. But he's not he's not your every he's not an everyday starting outfielder. He's a nice piece coming off your bench. When you have an injury, you can plug him in, or you're giving somebody a day off. You can plug him in. Gallo's better. Gallo Gallo comes in. He's he's better than he's better than the list of outfielders other than your top guys. Okay, that have been available this year. He's better than anybody you've had. So let's wait and see if he's able to inject something into your offense. The one thing I do know, he's a left handed bat, and all I've been hearing for the past couple of years, why there are no left handers in the Yankee lineup? Well, you got two right now. And Rizzo speaks for himself. Pro, contact guy, can hit for average, can can also hit give you a little power. Solid at first base. So you not only did you get two lefty sticks for your lineup, you increased your defense. Major, and Rizzo's gonna help out uh, Gleyber Torres and some of those weird hops that he throws to first base. You got a guy that can corral them. Spike's in St. Pete. What's up, Spike? You're next on 98.7. Hey,
4: good to hear you. When the sun's shining, a couple of things with the Yankees and one with the Mets. First of all, my buddy uh, Beaver from CCNY is a diehard Mets fan, diehard, mm-hmm. and he his one complaint because he knows where you know we talk and he listens all the time. And he says the outfield and the Mets, uh, this guy Nimmo maybe he gets on base, but he plays so deep that the Mets need uh, help in the outfield. Now, the Yankees really need help up the middle, and they didn't get it. That's the problem. They got two great deals, like financial deals. They did great on it. Uh, my kid who's 40, who's uh, lives in Orlando, went to uh, Parkland High School, uh, and and Rizzo went there too, a little mm-hmm. younger. Uh, so uh, this 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 guy uh, he's a great guy this guy he's a great guy and he paid off dividends that uh, Paul's probably still going and you're right about uh, uh, what's his name my mind so you get old Larry left Gallo, about it. Gallo? Yeah, yeah. yeah 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 as I said from uh, my cousin Vinny is it uh, Jerry Gallo or Joey Gallo you know. Yeah that line of My Cousin yeah, Vinny. But he, he hits the ball a mile. He hits the ball a mile, but he's not a contact guy. But the the contract's right. They improved everything, but their improvement had to be behind the plate, shortstop. And you know what? Uh, people were dumping on Brett Gardner, and I can't do it. He didn't sign up for that. He didn't sign up. He signed up to play, what, fourth or fifth outfielder, maybe ten yep. run? So, right. so as far as it goes, listen, so I'll leave you with this. The, the Mets improved they needed another arm they didn't get it the right arm uh it's tough for, this sickens me man this this pisses me off so much about the grom they haven't been telling us the truth mm-hmm. and from everything i know from all the orthopedists i've talked to he may need tommy john again
1: oh spike why would you do that to me uh, spike, oh, why would you do hearing. that to me spike
4: uh, I'm not doing it to you. I'm telling you what I'm hearing from orthopedic guys. It only lasts seven to eight years. You had it in there 11 years ago.
1: I know. I've been reading that, Spike. You're right. You're right. Thanks for the phone call. You're right. It's true. And I'm hoping that's not it. I'm hoping. But once again, you just and, – and here's the thing. You can't help but think in the back of your mind if you arrested him and didn't rush him back in a couple of these starts – would he have had the issues that he's having right now? You have to wonder. This He hasn't pitched since July 7th. Next week it'll be a month. And now you're telling me that in another two weeks maybe he'll start throwing and the acting GM says he's not going to be available till September? Hey, listen, okay, so on the positive side, hey, that's right in time for the stretch run going to the postseason. On the negative side, what happens if he pulls this again? Does that mean I'm not going to have him for a playoff series? Or are you going to force him or is he going to feel pressure to come in and pitch in the playoff series because he's the ace and he's dominant and he is, you know, this year has been just otherworldly. And he comes in and does more damage.
3: And now he throws one deep to right field. There it goes. See ya. His first Yankee home run, and it gives the Yankees a
0: one
5: nothing lead.
6: Um, honestly, I did, I don't even think I gave it thought. Um, I was just happy to just once we got to BP and just get into that routine of uh, hitting the cage before, then going to BP, taking grounders, get into that routine. It's just baseball, and then uh, putting the jersey on before the game, seeing seeing the New York across your chest. Uh, it's just different. It's different. I was very fortunate to wear the Cubs jersey and that's a different jersey as well, but you put this one on, it's just one of those different jerseys and uh felt really good.
1: The home run call of Anthony Rizzo by our Michael K, and then Anthony Rizzo hitting a home run in his first game with the Yankees. Hardest for Damer on the Gordon Damer show here on 98.7 ESPN. 1-800-919-3776 and I'll say this. You can't have a better debut, a more impactful debut than Rizzo had. I mean, to give them – his run was the only score in that game for a while. And then later on in the game, the Yankees were able to stretch it out, and he was involved in that. And and what it does is, with him and Gallo, it lengthens the lineup, and it makes them better. Now, am I ready to sit here and tell you, oh, that's it. World Series, they'll play – the Dodgers in the postseason, that's where they go. No, I'm not ready to say that. There's too many other holes on this team. There's too many issues with the bullpen, inconsistent starting pitching, you know, but at least you're looking at a team that has improved. And ultimately, that's what Brian Cashman's job is, is to improve this team, to see the faults. And maybe they were too patient, Because this team has underperformed for most of the year. Most of the year. A lot of the guys have not just not done it. And so I think it was important for the Yankee front office to let the players know, and you hear that a lot, especially in baseball, that when you see them trying to make an effort, and they tried, they they just got in their own way, (laughs) all right? They haven't played consistently enough where they should have. I mean, you could argue they all, they were in the position to almost sweep the Red Sox. They lost two of those games. They had no business losing. They had leads. And you look at that and you say, hey, listen, you never have enough runs. That's why you add those tack-on runs. Judy used to say that all the time. It's about the tack-on runs. It's about the runs you add to give your bullpen extra security because in these ballparks now, these ballparks are bandboxes. boxes. Like, come on, we're talking Fenway Park here, right? I mean, come on, let's be serious. So the Yankees have improved themselves. And maybe if they're lucky and they can get Severino to give them something going down the stretch of this season in the starting rotation, Tyon, give him credit. he He's really stepped up. His past handful of starts, he's much better than he was. Kluber, you may be getting back. I don't know what you expect from him. But I mean, last time you saw him, he threw a no-hitter. I'm not saying that he's back. He's going to be the Kluber of Cleveland. But I think he could be a solid, dependable third or fourth starter. And you get your bullpen squared away, you got a shot to do some damage. You started a stretch with the Marlins last night where you've got 13 games against teams you should beat. I mean, the minimum should be that you win each series. That's minimum. You should win each series. Maybe you get a sweep here and there. Now we're looking at something. Now we're looking at something. Mo's in Queens. Hey, Mo, you're next on 98.7. Hey,
7: Uncle Larry. Hope everything is well with you. Everything is good mo what's up you, cool uh, i called you sunday saying uh, if we do make a, a trade for a position player it has to be like a splash Make them uh make a make it like a suspect and give them a spark and Bias is that but one problem is you know we don't have we keep on bringing out tba to be announced every 5 days and and that stinks and and i feel like the GM knew that the ground was not going to be Available till September, as he said. So he didn't make the. Tra- I don't get why he couldn't make a trade for a starting pitcher or neither help in the bullpen because that bullpen is shaky too. And then one thing with the Yankees is I don't want to hear these brats complain about Brian Cashman anymore. This guy <laughs> got, what, got what you guys were asking for, and now you got a position to go get that wild card spot. You're not getting division. You guys got off to a slow start, but you have a position to get to the wild card spot. And there's no complaining no more from them. I don't want to hear no more complaints from them. I ain't up to listen. Have a great weekend, Larry.
1: All right, Mo, you too. Listen, I hope, Mo, that Scott knew if he knew that DeGrom was under that situation, I hoped he would have done a little better job of trying to get another arm. I mean, they got some arms, but, I mean, come on. And I understand Scherzer wasn't available. I get it. He wasn't coming here. I'm not even talking about him. But I just don't, I I just, they needed another arm. Okay, they needed another arm, desperately. Now, once again, Rich Hill may work out. Walker could come back and recover. And, you know, he might just be going through a slump. Pitchers go through slumps like hitters go through slumps. And so that could be what's happening here. Okay, it could be. Hopefully he gets back in place. Strowman. Hopefully he finds he finds himself a little bit. He's he's he hasn't been like Walker. He just hasn't been Strowman. And you hope that what Baez does with this lineup is he helps some guys get going and you get to add some more runs. And so maybe you give your starters a little bit more of a breathing situation. And maybe that will help them out as well. But not knowing what's going on with DeGrom at the top of your rotation as your ace, as dominant as he has been this season, you can't hide from it. It is a major concern, major and it hurts that you didn't do anything to try to give you more of a cushion. You just wonder if they did everything they could. Now you have to you know, if you're a fan, you have to say, "Listen, they did what they could." When they they didn't want to mortgage the future, they didn't want to mortgage some of their top prospects down on the farm. And so that's why we don't have another pitcher that we need. And once again, look on the positive side. Syndergaard's coming back, Carrasco's back, so maybe they are able to carry you. Maybe Carrasco in the in the you know the lineup starting rotation eliminates a couple of those TBAs that we've had or TBDS, okay? Or and you know McGill can continue to go. So that's what you're hoping. You're hoping Ridge Hill takes another one of those TBDS away but the question becomes can your bullpen survive because the long relief guys have gotten a lot of work i mean look at bonde yesterday you needed to take him an extra inning and it was the second inning where the game got away from you you know there's so many guys that are unavailable That second time. That second day. And so that's the concern you have because you have depended on this bullpen so much this year. Will they have enough to get you down the stretch? And your rivals have added some folks. and remember with what the, with the with the, the talent race that's going on in the NL West with LA and Chicago I mean LA and and the Dodgers LA and the Dodgers <laughs> the Dodgers the Giants okay in San Diego and they all got better at the deadline they all got better so clearly There's no wild card coming out of the NL East. The wild card's coming out of the West. That's it. Which which two of those three are going to be that wild card? And then the East? And and, and and, and, uh, as of right now, you'd have to say the Brewers would be the team. Do you have enough if you're the Mets? So we know that Javi Baez... Before we get to the NBA, we know that Javi Baez has is arrived. He will be hitting cleanup in the lineup tonight. He will wear number 23. You remember David Peterson had that number and he gave it up to Javi Baez. He will now wear number 46. And of course, along with uh, Javi Baez, right-handed pitcher Trevor Williams is also here, and you figure he's going to go to the bullpen. So, as I mentioned about starting pitching, is not what I had in mind. Now, it doesn't mean that he can't be a a major acquisition because the way the Mets have had to go to the bullpen, some of these guys are worn out, so another fresh arm down there. If Williams can give you you something down there, that would be good. One person who will not be in that Met lineup tonight is going to be Brandon Nemo. And a couple of moments ago, Luis Rojas explained why.
6: No, uh, no update as of now on how he is or his availability for the game. He's not going to start. I mean, I will say that he's not going to start um, uh, t- tonight. But as far as like his availability of the bench, like that's something that we uh, we're waiting on uh, on the assessment from our from our performance staff. So, uh, but last night we were a little bit more optimistic uh, after. Uh, I left uh, uh the Zoom room here and went to the uh, to the training room as far as like targeting which spot was where he felt the pinch and but you know out of precaution uh we're we're just not gonna have him start. We're gonna check him again today, see how he is and uh and see what he can do for us, uh maybe at some point in the game.
1: So he might be available for pitch hitting but uh, not gonna make the start. So uh we'll find out who's gonna be in starting in center field for Brandon Nimmo, Rich Hill. Scheduled to make his second start as a Met tonight. You remember they got him from Tampa. And uh, he allowed three runs and five hits and with two walks and a strikeout in the strikeout and his first start with the team on the 25th against Toronto. So, listen, can he get them back on track tonight against the Cincinnati Reds team? That's hot right now. Fado's hitting everything, right? <laughs> Fado's hitting everything out of the ballpark. It's amazing. So we'll keep an eye on that and give you any updates on that situation. And, of course, the Yankees will have um, another game tonight, Domingo Herman on the mound against the Marlins in Miami. So draft night, I'm watching the draft, and I'm very excited as to see why and who and what the Knicks are going to do, who they're going to draft, what's happening, and who are going to be some of the some of the you know young players that are going to come to camp because what is this whole thing that that most Nick fans have been talking about, right? Most Nick fans have been talking very simply about hey, we want to build through the draft. We want young players. We want young guys who can really help who could really play the game who are going to help build this team and get better. And all we heard about this draft was it's a deep, oh, it's a deep draft. You'll be able to get a lot of different things here. So I'm looking, and when they draft nineteen, they trade the pick. And when they draft twenty one, they trade the pick. And so <laughs> I'm like, Why are they trading down? The only reason, the only way that they were trading they're trading down is probably because because all the talk before was right that the Knicks are gonna trade up, they're gonna trade up, they're gonna trade up. Well, clearly they tried to trade up to get their folks. They couldn't get them. And so when they came, they were already gone. So they decided to, you know, trade down and move on and get other folks. So when you look at this draft. Here's what you figured out. That they got two additional future assets. One first and one second. Okay, they saved money. They would have had to pay 19 and 21. They added a pick, you know, additional assets possibly for trades and drafted two players in Grimes and McBride that, you know, they seem to like. They, and they still have potentially six first round picks over the next four years, which is pretty good And 50 to $60 million in cap space for the free agent period that begins on Monday. And of course you got some young players, right? You got RJ, you got Mitch, uh, Knox is still on the team. Obi and quickly. Now, here's what has been a little unnerving for me. And what's been unnerving for me is the fact, and I think I mentioned it, is that I've been hearing these rumors about, you know, Obi Toppin being involved in possible trades. And I'm like, Why? What, what? Why are you? Why are you thinking about giving up on Obi Toppin after one, one one incomplete season? Like, like, there's other players on this team whom you've given opportunities to, and whom have not really taken advantage of those opportunities. Okay. Kevin Knox is a player like that. And, you know, Frank Nilakina is a player who has shown you some signs. He's done some things. Okay, he's done some things. But not enough for you to say that he's able to make a major, uh, you know, a major impact. Not enough for you to say that. Okay? So uh, why are we talking about getting rid of of Obi Toppin right away? And once again, it's supposed to be to include, he, he is included for the piece, possibly for, you know, the kid from Cleveland. And I'm, listen, I'm from old school. I'm not trying to trade big for small. I'm just not trying to. I know this kid is is got pretty good three. He shoots well from three. I know he's a he's a young man who can put the ball in the basket. I know that there's been some issues about whether he can play point and whatnot. And so the other thing that jumps in your mind is if he is that talented, why is Cleveland, who's you know, not exactly one of the class teams this season about picking going to the championship, why are they trying to give him up? Is it just because they they might have trouble signing him? Is is that the main reason? That they don't feel he fits into their long-term plans that that, that that's why they would let him go? I, I don't know. And like I said, trading big for small, that's 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 not uh, is not what I'm looking to. It's not what I'm thinking about. So the question becomes what are the Knicks going to do coming up in the free agent period? What do they look for? What are they going to need? And, you know, obviously you want three-point makers. But the number one thing is, I mean, you got to get a point guard. I mean, that's number one. you got to get a point guard. Somebody that can run the offense somebody who can you can put Julius Randle in the position where you can post him and he doesn't have to be dribbling and doing all this stuff. I want to take I want to make him after he had a the season he had was just tremendous. Okay, tremendous season. But I'm ready for him now where we can okay, now the next step is to make him more efficient. And part of, the re- part of the ability to make him more efficient is to keep him from dribbling the basketball so much. Here, let's get it to him. Can we get somebody to drive, penetrate, and dish to him for change that he doesn't have to be the guy that always has to do the drive and dish? You know, could, could we do something there? So I'm just curious. I'm just curious. And listen, this is not exactly the oh, my God, we got to have somebody off this free agent class. This is a eh, 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 free agent class. You know, that's what it is. So what should the Knicks do? Who would you like to see? If you're Leon Rose and World Wide West and, you know, the the front office of, of the Knicks, who would you like to see? Who would you try to add on this team? to take the next step because remember you finished fourth in the postseason. finished fourth in the regular season. Went out in the first round to Atlanta. At the time we were all like, oh, man, we went on the first round to Atlanta. <laughs> Atlanta was not exactly, Atlanta was better than what we gave them credit. Okay. So now you come there, you reevaluate it, you go back, you know you've got some solid folks here. You you have an identity. Your identity is defense, obviously. And offensively, Julius Randle. But Julius Randle and Derrick Rose, whom you have to sign. So, you know, then the next step is how to increase the young players. You want to get more from Toppin. You want to get more from Quickly. So who in the free agent market can do that, can make this team take go towards taking the next step to be even a better team than they were last year and go to now get out of the first round and go to the second round of the postseason. Hard to see on 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776 on a Saturday afternoon, talking a little NBA, talking some Knicks with you. Uh, before I get to the calls, I must say, of the folks that the Knicks ended up taking. And <laughs> once again, I mentioned, right, the Knicks' identity is defense. So when you hear about Miles McBride, the young man out of West Virginia, and you hear about uh, Chokobidis out of Lithuania, who's a point guard, stash pick, you know, because he signed to, in the League on a four-year deal. What are these guys known for? Defense. Defense. Okay, God. I'm good. I'm not bad. That's okay. That's all right. But you know, I need some scoring too. Now, I get – and here's what's so tough. Because when you go online and you look at some of the top players in the league, in college, and you look at them and – I mean, when you look at them, because of their highlights, you would say, like, every player's, like, great. (laughs) Because they're in their highlights, they never miss a shot. The ball's never stripped. They play outstanding defense. They're just, they're they're all tremendous players. And then you watch a game. (laughs) And you're like... Wow, he really had a tough game because i that's not – he didn't play like that in the highlights I saw. But Jericho Sims, the young man who played four years for Texas, when you saw him dunk the basketball and hit his eye on the rim, you're like, ooh, ooh. I'm just saying. Ooh. it caught my attention. Definitely did. Joseph Greenberg. Hey Joe, you're next on ninety eight seven.
0: Hey Larry, how you doing? Good to see. Good to hear. Uh, speak with you. Long time listener. Thanks Joe. Good to talk um, to you as well. Yes, man. Uh, NBA. You know, I was telling the guy who answered the phone. Um, Right now, as the Knicks are situated, what they currently have, assuming Quigley Rose and these guys are there, and the point guard, the kid from Europe, and they're 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 in more need, in my opinion, of of a shooting guard with Burks and Reggie. And they've currently stated, I think a shooting guard. If you looked at what is their need as right now, I think shooting guard is as is more more so than point. But I, they're, I, I think they're weak in both. They're not great in both. Mm-hmm. But I think shooting guard is more of a more and more uh, need. And uh, with that said, I mean everybody out there it would be an improvement. I mean, if they <laughs> have out put up, put on their team, everybody would be out there. I like shooting guard. I like uh, Powell. I like DeRozan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what do you think? I think I think shooting guard is more of a need. But uh, yeah, I like the kid yeah. from Sacramento. Also, De'Aaron D- Fox. But I yeah, don't know good. if they're going to get him.
1: He's good. He is good. <laughs> He is good, Joe. Joe, thanks for the phone call, my friend. Um, Yeah, you're right. They they, they could use an upgrade at both. (laughs) They could. But for me, I I need somebody that can run the offense late. Because that's what your point guard – that's what a really good point guard does. A really good point guard, when you're trying to – when you're in the drought and trying to get a basket – he runs that play that, that can get you the shot to the person that you want to get the ball to in a key moment to make sure that that 0 run doesn't balloon to a 14-0, 16 run. And sometimes just getting that key bucket in the middle to stop a run is very, very important. Very important. Now, uh, according to the undefeated Marcus J. Spears, I saw this a couple of days ago, you mentioned DeMar DeRozan. He is generating interest now. A couple of days ago, it was from the Lakers, but not the Lakers. Have Westbrook. I'm sure he's not on that list. Uh, but the Clippers, the Knicks, and the Bulls were on that list uh, of getting DeRozan. Now he, you know, uh, he was. Remember, he's big in Toronto. Went, went to San Antonio last year. I averaged twenty-one point six, point six, point nine assists with the Spurs. Also shot. Shot 49.5% from the field. However, here's the issue 25% from three. I've got that now. (laughs) I don't need to pay. (laughs) With all due respect to DeMar DeRozan, who is more than just a three point shooter, there's no question about that. He's a guy that can put the ball in the deck, he can get to the basket. As you mentioned, he's shooting almost 50% from, you know, from the, from, uh, Two point range, okay. But twenty five percent from three. No, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that. That's that's scary for me. That's scary for me. Other free agent guards who are available. Point guards. Let's talk about point guards right now. Kyle Lowry, who. If you're if you were watching uh MSG's coverage with uh Pito, Zerbiak and Wallace, John Wallace really liked Kyle Lowry. And he thought that he would be a really good guy to bring in because he's got you know experience, got a ring, good pro, knows what it takes. And Kyle Lowry has been rumored to be coming to the Knicks before. So, you know, he's he's an option. Lonzo Ball, who would be my choice. Uh, Dennis Schroeder. Spencer Dinwiddie is interesting. And I think, if I remember correctly, I think that's who Wally was looking for. I think Spencer Dinwiddie would be fabulous and, and ironic. <laughs> With all the trolling he did on the Knicks, <laughs> wouldn't it be ironic if he ends up playing for them? It really would be. Uh Others include Cameron Payne, fresh off that Phoenix Sun and Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson is real interesting to me. Okay, real interesting because I think when you look, he had almost like a coming out party in that series with the Clippers against Phoenix. He was awesome. Good scorer, can hit the three, good mid-range jumper, strong to the hoop can pass the ball, make people better. Uh, You know, Reggie Jackson growing on me in that spot. Reggie Jackson is interesting. 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to the phones. We've been talking about the Knicks and uh, what they should do in the free agent situation. Lee's in Long Island. Hey, Lee, you're next on 98.7.
3: What's up, Larry? Thanks for taking my phone call.
1: You got it, Lee. What's going on?
3: So uh, I want to talk. Uh, you know, we're talking about mix drafts. I kind of like the, the two kids they took uh, in the draft. I think they were on their draft boards. Um, my thing is with the with the first pick that they traded, the 19th pick, I believe, right?
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, is top 18 protected? So if next next year, let's just say the Hornets get like a 15th or 16th pick, does that mean we lose the pick, or does it overlap into the other pick because? That kind of devalues the pick if they want to go ahead and trade it for, you know, for a superstar or whatever the case may be. So I was just confused about that.
1: No, I don't think it overlaps. So I think it'll still be good. It'll still have a, a, a decent value with it. So I, I don't think you lose anything with it going forward.
3: So if it, if it, if, it, it'd be, if let's just say Hornets get a 15th pick, we don't get the pick, right? Because it's top 18 protected, correct? Right.
1: hmm so you'll get another, and then, one. So you'll get something have, else in in
3: Louisville, and then do we we get to pick the next season. I don't know how that works. I believe,
1: and it's a good question, Lee. And I have to check it out. Thanks for the phone call. I believe you. It would go forward until you get that what is comparable to what you gave up. I believe. I have to check that out, though. I have to check that out. Jimmy's in Staten Island. Hey, Jimmy, you're next on ninety eight seven.
8: Hey, what's going on, Uncle Larry? Oh, it was a pleasure to talking to you.
4: Thanks, um, you. I hope
8: all is well on your weekends um i think that the knicks i mean i i I love uh i love the progress that they made last year but uh, i think that uh what we should do at the free agency is um and i wouldn't say throw all the money at them but i I definitely think we should go with lonzo and um honestly i just think that we should follow the uh that that, what is it uh you know the blueprint of how atlanta moved with their young core you know because we have the pieces that are interchangeable but you know, we you know we got Julius Randolph, but honestly, I just think that um you know we should follow that blueprint that Atlanta took, and you know sign Lonzo, and it will go from there because uh you know that's like you said it's a point guard's league, and I think one of your callers mentioned about grabbing ball balls. I like that. I I love that. You understand? Because Julius, mm-hmm. you know you have him in the middle, have somebody to spread the wing. You know you keep Julius. You know he has to shoot about twenty thirty shots a game, but it's all right though. But uh, as long as we you know I, I just think that. The first thing we need to figure out is the guard situation. So I just want to know your opinion on uh, Lonzo and um, where you think that the Knicks, you know, should go from
1: there. Also, all right, Jimmy. Thanks for the phone call. I like Lonzo Ball, and I would I would like to see if they have an opportunity to sign him. Uh, I think he would be the guy that you're looking for. Now, unfortunately for him, he's not a guy that's going to shoot the basketball very very, very consistently. But you love his court vision, you love his ability to get the ball into the right person's hands, and that's what you want. And then the next thing would be for them to get some shooters and and find some either lower-tier free agent guys who can shoot the basketball, guys who can shoot the three. And that's what you're looking for, and you have that combined with the young players that you have in your draft, and this is how you mix. You add some veteran presence with your young team, and that's how hopefully you get better. All right, so that's what you're looking for. But, you know, once again, Bo Bo, it's intriguing. But, you know, I I don't need him at this point. I've got a center. I've got a couple of options at center. Yes, he would be nice if I could add him. But my thing right now, my priority with this team is to keep up this defensive intensity because that's the identity of my squad. But to offset the defense and to take some pressure off my defense – I have to get some three-point makers so I can spread the floor. If I spread the floor with three-point makers, I make it much easier for Julius Randle to operate. And once again, sometimes I think I need a guy, that I th- and I think Bold can do that, who can push the tempo a little bit because I don't think we need to get into this half-court slugfest all the time. You go back to that that, that series with Atlanta, I mean, every in the half-court, which is where you're trying to go, in the postseason, when you go half court, everything was just—it was arduous. It was—it was hard work, trying to pass the ball around and pass the ball around and not get a decent shot. And then, you know, sometimes you need a guy that can create, take it to the basket. And unfortunately, quickly was not able to transform his transform his game to do that consistently. In the postseason, the way he did it in the regular season, right. Better team, better defense. that's what happened. Sal's in the car. Hey, Sal, you're next on
9: 98.7. Hi, how are you? First time What's caller. What's up? Welcome.
1: Welcome. Thank you, sir.
9: Uh, I love everything you say. Uh, the only opinion I really would love to give the fans is that uh, Damian Lillard is an amazing ball player, but uh, I can't give up the, the ranch for everything. The, the, the league is a 14-league And unless we get a free agent to come here, only a superstar free agent, then the following year you can package the trade to get the third star. Don't package the trade right now. Be smart. Make the free agent come to you. Work hard. The coaching staff is amazing. Management is doing amazing. The guys are working hard. Let's develop the players. Be patient. Make the star come to you. And then... When you're looking for the third star, if it's two or three years from now, you make the trade. Don't make the trade. Please don't give up the assets. We'll be Carmelo Anthony all over again. We need to attract the players here. Make the star come to New York. That's what I have to say. Love your show.
1: Thank you, Sal. Thanks for the phone call and the kind words. Look, it's you have, Thibodeau has shown you, him and his staff, how these young players came together, okay? Now, did they sneak up on some people? Yeah, they did. And clearly, you have to increase your talent to go as good as you were last season, this coming season. So you need to increase in some areas. Obviously, point guard is one. Obviously, where you can get some more three-point scoring would be another, all right? And so, what? much like Sal is saying, and I said earlier, yeah, you, Damian Lillard would be great, Bradley Beal would be awesome. But what do you have to give up to get them? And then what is left when they come here? So you need to get some more players. Hopefully, you're, the young players that you have together, they're able to. You add a couple of veterans to the team you have. All right, you try to keep as much of this team together as possible because of the chemistry that this team had. This team fought well together. This team played for each other. At least it looked that way on on the outside, you know, not covering the team as I used to. So I don't know the ins and outs in every day. But you you can tell when a team is playing well and playing for themselves or playing for each other. You can tell. You can tell. And this was a team they rooted for each other. They fought hard for each other. They played for each other. They played together. And so if you can keep that camaraderie and just add talent, and good locker room guys. And you just keep building until you get to the point where you have the assets that you can make that big move. Jay's in Brooklyn, what's up, Jay? Hey,
5: hey, hey. I love it. Uh, Thank you for taking my call. I just want to say this, man. I'm hearing all these people calling in and talking about superstars. We need this star. We need this star. Explain to me what star was in the championship this year even though Giannis and, and these guys are rising stars, but I saw two teams in the championships. I saw the Phoenix Suns that came together to play as a team, and I saw uh, Milwaukee Bucks that came together to play as a team. And I say that to say this. If you don't have a player that is not selfish On your, I mean, that is not selfish on your team. You're not gonna win a championship. You look Mm -hmm. at Brady, you look at Steph Curry, and I, I bring up those two brothers because when it comes to money, they don't really ask for the bank. They were always selfish players that look for others to come in to play as a team, and that's the real avenue that most of these teams should be shooting for. And now you look at the draft on which they just had, and they just added just such a golden piece with Jonathan uh Mungin, who is a monster. You know what I mean? And you look at him, Wiseman was the best player of the draft last year and I don't want nobody to uh go smoke up your nose or anything like that to state that uh Kay Colloway was the best player. This boy Jumunja is the best player and that's the reason why him and Taylor Green went to the G League. So I want to say this, man. In order for you to get a ring, you must have selfless players on your team that's willing to take a step back and let others come in and shine. And I just don't feel that the makeup of Russell Westbrook and LeBron and too many prima donnas on that Lakers team will be able to bring a ring home for Mr. Westbrook. That's all I have to tell you.
1: All right, Jay. Thanks for the phone call. That that's interesting, and it's a great point. You look at what uh, Milwaukee and also Phoenix was able to do, and they were a team. They they were a team. Now, the question that you're going to get from people on the other side, Jay, will say to you, "Well, if LeBron and his crew didn't get hurt, or if Durant and and Kyrie didn't get if Kyrie didn't get hurt, and Harden wasn't compromised, maybe maybe." On either side, you're not having that final. Maybe it's a different final. So that's the other side of it. So I do think, but I do agree with you because this is the NBA. And as I always say, one doesn't be five in the NBA. It doesn't. You do have to have a team. And the Warriors, with the experience of guys having been there, having done it, knowing what it takes to win, and adding pieces on the fly the way they have some young pieces, they're going to be tough. <laughs> they're going to be tough to beat. You know, they're coming. They have a chance to get right back in the thick of things, you know, in that, in, in that Western Conference. I mean, even with all the injuries they had, they were in the plan. even with the injuries.
0: You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN.